Right. Um, I'm going to just start recording for this. Okay. So I'm going to just go to the Google trivia questions, right? Right. I actually I have my three in my head. You have your three? Yeah. Oh, it's like the rally again. Remember we made up questions? <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of information when you take four days to think about it in the car. Make a trivia quiz. I don't want to make it. I want you to give me one. All right, let's... Okay, right. Um, except... Oh, Jesus Christ, you can't do anything on the internet anymore with a load of hassle. All right, okay. We've got... Jesus, this is real trivia. What's the rarest M&M color? Green. Brown. Fuck. But they're all brown on the inside. <laughs> uh, hey, did that one out me. In a website browser address, what does the www stand for? World Wide Web. Bingo. In what year were the first Air Jordan sneakers released? 91. Not bad, 84. Fuck. <laughs> Probably off by seven years. In a game of bingo, which number is presented by the phrase two little ducks? Oh, it makes 22. sense. 22. Well done, sir. Nail it. Okay, according to Greek mythology, who's the first woman on earth? Venus. No, that's a... No. Oh. The, no, the no, no, don't... Do you want a hint? Eve. No. Do you want a hint? Go on. What's the box that was opened and it released all the uh, plague and pestilence and stuff into the world? Pandora. Well done. Jesus. All right, I have one for you. Go on. Who brought the potato to Ireland? Sir Walter Raleigh. Go on, you fucker. Uh, what's the collective term for a group of crows? Murder. Oh, murder. Murder. Uh, what other little doozies do I have? Uh, right, that's not ready for the podcast, isn't it? Um, one more. Yeah, go on. What's the minimum thread depth for a tyre in Ireland? Oh, 32 millimetres? Yeah, I think it's 32 or else 35. You haven't seen that in a while, anyway, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm running slicks for the summer. <laughs> oh, fuel economy. What are we doing this podcast on? Do you, do you want to do self-reflection? Yeah. Have you thought about it, though? Yeah. I haven't thought about it enough, I don't know. I often just sit there and reflect about self-reflection as a topic. It's probably the most important one. Mm. If you If you want to make long-term progress... If you're not a full-time professional athlete with a team of people yeah. that tell you exactly what to do. Yeah. So, welcome back to the Seek Strength Podcast. Um, there's our cold opening. Like, uh, what's that show you like? Oh, Letter Kenny. The best comedy show on TV. We actually have a... What's she a mix of? A pug and a... Gurf's tiny fluffy dog is after walking in underneath the podcast table and is now completely engulfed in <laughs> microphone cables. <laughs> <laughs> and headphone jacks okay uh welcome back to the secret strength podcast the next episode in our psychology of training yeah this, Jeez, it, this one's been dragging on a long while hasn't it we were the last we time getting distracted well we, we hit the youtube hard yeah and we're hitting it harder still obviously but um we the last one we did was the psychology of motivation yeah and that was it during our quarantine so that would have been six to seven weeks ago if not more so i know yeah. we put it up but we recorded this i think we actually recorded that one in separately online yeah and we did it that was one the last zoom one that was a very good podcast though yeah talk about motivation i must clip some of that talk about some of our motivation for training what we're going to talk to me today basically is like being able to objectively reflect on what you're doing in training and what you're doing in competition um, I'm going to use certain psychological tools to kind of gain good affect mm -hmm. from this, like, this thing of reflecting on. So, like, I think a lot of the time people will 
uh, they'll like get something negative by looking back the whole time. So it'll either be they'll look back and they'll be annoyed that they didn't do something or they'll be an, uh, like they'll get basically a negative emotion from the fact that in the past they didn't succeed. Or vice versa, they'll look back and they'll get negative emotion from in the past, they did succeed and they're not succeeding now. So I think that's why like a lot of people will be like, yeah, I'm living in the moment, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, just taking training every day as it comes, you know, Unfor- and just like never like like a rock yeah. climber on a wall, never looking down. Yeah. Um, not wanting to look back into the into the past and kind of reflect. But I think it's very, very valuable for athletes. No, normally that mentality is actually is very useful as human beings because you're you're obviously hardwired hardwired to like pray to the gods of the future. Hardboiled, hardboiled. You're hardboiled to pray to the gods of the future, you know, and think about what's coming. And yeah. obviously, you need to think about the negative things because it could eat you. Mm-hmm. So that have, unfortunately does not work with training. Like with training, that is the exact opposite of what you need to do. You need to look back, and then you need to realize you actually have to look for the good things, which is the opposite of what you normally do. And you need to look for what made you progress and you need to figure out those ones, you know. So yeah. you're looking for the positives. So obviously you wanna if you got injured and you didn't make progress, then you need to identify what wasn't working. But when you did make progress, that's just as important to be able yeah. to look back and go. So we're talking about self reflection in terms of your programming, self reflection in terms of what you were doing with training, self reflection in terms of, you know, how you feel after a session. Yeah. In terms of attitude, how you approach the session. It kind of follows on from motivation from the last episode as well because, you know, self-reflecting, looking really deeply, analyzing what your motivations are. And unfortunately, like we mentioned in the motivation one, you may come to realization that your motivations aren't actually what you think they are. Yeah. You may not actually really care about being the best CrossFitter in the world or you may not care about going to the Olympics. Yeah. You know, very touchy subject here though. But it's worth mentioning is a great example is Co- uh, Rebecca Coa. Yeah. Um. She's obviously retired from weightlifting and loads of people. Now, her reasons are her own, obviously, and we don't really know what her reasons are exactly. No. But something, obviously, she obviously reflected for a long time. And for her, look, none of us have committed as much time to a sport. There is a very, there's something about, right, uh, Eastern European weightlifting. And we've had luckily to experience it. And I remember, like, European juniors and stuff like that. And, like, knowing people who've, who've lifted under that kind of systems. And it is particularly, particularly grim. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. there is a, there's a culture of athletes are very disposable. There's kind of, as with all ex countries, but Eastern European countries in particular have um, use and abuse athletes kind of mentality. And obviously it's changing as times change, but a lot of these coaches themselves were put through the meat grinder, you know. And um, it, it's, it's a particularly grim, weightlifting is grim as it is. Yeah. No one's denying that, but there is something about that kind of uh, that that section of countries, the way athletes are treated. It can make you make you want to leave your home country, move to a different country, marry someone, change your religion, and give up a sport you've been doing for probably fifteen years or so, mm-hmm. when you've already had your spot at the Olympics guaranteed. Basically, yeah. you know. So really think about that. So imagine the self reflection she had to go through. Yeah, that must have taken literally. Well, the other thing is, like, you yeah. really hope that, that that process is happening. Yeah. You know, and, it, yeah. and it's not just like, ah, fuck it. But the thing is, obviously, it got to a stage where she was thinking about it, and it was like, this is not what I want. And, like, we were, we were talking about other subjects, 
like as soon as you become aware of them it's already too late you know you can't yeah, yeah, ignore yeah. what you don't want you can't ignore the negatives anymore you know yeah. and that it and like obviously nobody listening to this podcast is in the situation where they have to leave their home country um give up their time with their full-time professional coach <laughs> yeah it's it's unlikely yeah but it's it's the three ex- lads who are listening to this up the country <laughs> here there's like one girl listening as well oh my god but you know there's um it, it's a, an extreme example of what you need you know you need to realize what self-reflection can take you and it might take yeah. you again like the motivation podcast it might take you somewhere where you don't particularly want to be but if you like way through that shit yeah. you might get out the other end a much better athlete yeah you'll be more productive i think the other thing is, is that like people always think that these kind of like these things of like self-reflection or the use of framing or concentrating on your source of motivation are all for oh they're for like the experienced athlete you know they're mm-hmm. for the rebecca coas they're for the the like the strongest person at your gym or they're for whoever's yeah. an instagram lifter like mm-hmm. realistically like the complete beginner can get crazy good effects from good self-reflection yep and got a good habits around self-reflection um and possibly move on to being not a beginner even quicker if they do do that uh so like this is kind of applicable to every everybody obviously if you're two weeks into training you're probably not going to be listening to us talking on a podcast uh but definitely for coaches and stuff Mm -hmm. i know we've a lot of coaches listening if you've beginner athletes this sort of stuff is just as applicable to them as it is to your national junior champ or or whoever we might take you through um, different scales of self-reflection and where you might apply them. So we'll start with the smallest particular scale, and that would be individual training sessions. Yeah. So this will happen to a certain extent automatically anyway. You will, if you are in touch with your training and you really enjoy training, you will automatically kind of reflect. But the chances are it's in a very kind of... Um, sporadic way like it's yeah. it's very obtuse you're not really you're kind of thinking about the session but then you're also making dinner you know you're packing your lunches whatever and you're kind of thinking about what happened and then you're also kind of thinking what you're doing the next session but you're not really looking back at that session and you're not really thinking about what happened like if you had a bad session you're not thinking what did i do to have that bad session yeah. you're not thinking did i facilitate that session properly you're just kind of mulling over the fact that you had a bad session but you're not really so that, that that's not really self-reflection that's more of kind of um just well, just contemplating dwelling it's, yeah, it's yeah dwelling on on and the I, session and i think so if that's the case whereby you're not really actively doing it mm-hmm. i think then you have on the opposite end of the scale for those like really short discrete time periods you have the thing where you're over concentrating on it so it might be that uh you're doing your power snatches or whatever and they're going to shit mm-hmm. and all you can think about is those power snatches and then you go uh, onto your clean and jerks and you're still thinking about the snatches being really poor or if you're like a, a field athlete and you um you were doing like a handling drill at the start of training or you're doing some like skills specific stuff and then even when you go through your like work capacity stuff at the end of training you're still concentrating on that and you don't give it like it's kind of due attention yeah uh and then that can kind of even when you go on to your next session then it's it's still like it's over dwelling on something rather than it kind of being very passive like the the example you just gave like very frequently sometimes it is a case of just ignoring it being like oh that happened <laughs> yeah. that was bad for whatever reason uh the likelihood like so sometimes you can say honestly to yourself that you didn't you facilitated this session as best as you could and for whatever reason 
you had a bad session and to a certain extent it wasn't your fault you know and then you can you can let it go you know yeah there is times where and it's important to have that skill of just being able to go oh okay i had that bad session because um someone fire alarm went off four <laughs> times in the middle of the night and i woke up and i had really bad sleep yeah and so that session was very poor because of that and so it's important to be able to switch off and stop being like very neurotic about that yeah. session you know and like anyone who listens to this it's probably neurotic about their training i think that's fair to say like i have a good portion of people listening to this think yeah. about training way more than they probably should and not in terms of they probably should for their personal life i mean in terms of being productive for their training yeah they yeah, probably yeah, think yeah. about their training yeah. more so they don't really care about your personal life <laughs> <laughs> that's not what this podcast is about so what i mean is like they probably like fit said you know you overanalyze it too much mm. like you think about training like th- here's a great example and uh, a, one of our athletes uh, on the weightlifting program was maxing his clean and jerk snatch clean and jerk a few weeks ago and he hit the big 100 and 120 and it's uh, Arnold and I don't know if Arnold listens to the podcast or not but he, it was Hi scheduled Arnold. he was scheduled for day 4 in the week you know and he did it on day 2 because he was like I was afraid I was going to miss so I just wanted to get it over <laughs> <laughs> and he made him he made his yeah, lifts yeah. like he PB'd you know he did the, the 220 total like but that's I think that's hilarious that uh, it, that's a case of now obviously it worked out great for Arnold because he hit his PB's yeah but too often you could be maxing in the evening and you can be thinking you know it'll keep kind of popping into yeah, your brain and then you skip your warm-ups yeah yeah you skip whatever you usually do yeah you're fucking one shoe isn't even on yet and you're at 100 kilos like joe yeah <laughs> you're just absolutely rushing through everything you're not being like you don't do your normal warm-up so let's say your normal yeah. warm-up takes 20 minutes you're doing your four second warm-up even, even it like the thing of like when you go to the gym you usually chat to whoever it is for five minutes you know or like you usually go on your phone for a while like all those things those routines of value in them we've spoken about pre-performance routines in the past like those things might not be like it might give you a fucking physiological stimulus that allows you to lift more weights but it just gets you in the right headspace you know and you're at that small bit warmer you've kind of had the gaps in between uh so yeah if you're talking about something active to do then so if you're on either end of those scales right where you don't really self-reflect on the short term or you way over self-reflect in the short term Mm -hmm. what i talk about doing then is a a very very simple like training journal it will be the same intervention for both and it's just that when i get home from training like i don't really like doing it in the gym when you're like i'd prefer if athletes weren't doing it in the gym yeah at training because then they're kind of doing it during their cool down or they, they don't do their cool down they might rush through it they might forget to do it because their journal is at home or it's in a gear bag uh so what i'd like is like as they're eating food post session tends to be a good time because they're definitely just watching youtube videos that give them nothing important anyway mm-hmm. uh so training journal if it was me and i was telling you to do this I'd get them to get like a hardback, relatively small copybook. So like the copybook you use in primary school or elementary school. Uh, and then you just write out the exercises you did. So whatever, squats at this weight, this at this weight. Uh, some sort of like feeling next to each one. So these were good. These weren't good. I felt slow. I felt fast. And then maybe just a general thing at the end. This was a good session. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows how valuable journaling is journaling of their training sessions whatever 
Um, so I'm, we're not going to go into that now, but just as like a kind of for the short term stuff where you're either not self-reflecting at all or else you're kind of getting caught up in the weeds and diving too deep into self-reflection and then getting caught up for your next session. Uh, I think that small bit of an intervention of just using a training journal mm-hmm. uh, kind of sets it off. It allows us to put it in a box and put it on a shelf, uh, which is very pleasing. It, too often as well, people are too stressed about what they're writing down as well, you know? So you might write oh, down yeah. stuff. Like if I look back to my journals, some of the stuff I'm like, why was I thinking about that? Like, why was that important for me? Yeah. Like, I'm talking about six months ago <laughs> yeah. to a year ago. Like, I'm like, why did I think that particular cue was important? Yeah. Like, at the time, it was obviously important enough for me to write it down, you know? So it, don't worry about what you're writing down. Don't overanalyze what you're thinking. Don't think, fuck, this is so dumb if anyone reads this. Yeah. Don't let anyone read it, right? Yeah. But when you're writing it down, just write whatever you think is appropriate. And that day, let's say you were doing, you were doing your sumo deadlifts and you were like, Oh, and when I dig my little toe into the ground, it yeah. really helps, right? And then in six months' time, you're like, "What the fuck was I talking about?" You know, <laughs> what's this dork doing? <laughs> just like don't, don't stress about that. You know, don't think, don't over, like, is it? Don't overanalyze or overanalyzing. Yeah, <laughs> just write down what you think was important in that session. And sometimes it may be you may look back in six months and you go, "Oh fuck, I forgot about that cue. That really helped." Yeah, and then or you'll be like, I the. Really- <laughs> Yeah, or like, like uh, this dumbbell bench really helped my bench feel good or yeah. hanging from the chin up bar really loosened my rack position and then you may have forgotten about it and you may look back and you may find incredibly valuable information mm-hmm. uh, I think the other thing is like that as an athlete writing a training journal so obviously as coaches training journal has that um, like it has that value to it mm-hmm. as an athlete it just allows them to actually just put something on paper and get rid of it Yeah, you know and like it's valuable because it's in the book and once they still own the book and have the book and it's like it exists somewhere so they don't have to cognitively like hold on to it mm-hmm. uh, I think that is the other like the big fucking strength of that the great thing about having a coach and a coach who knows you well is that you can use them as a sounding board and you can use them for a point of reference and they can also shut you up sometimes you know I they just realised there 7up free is free of caffeine oh yeah well but normal 7-Up doesn't have caffeine, does it? I've no idea. Uh, sorry for a short intervention yeah, from sorry. our sponsor, 7-Up. <laughs> so, like, having a, a coach who knows you really well, and you can you can say things, and then the coach will be like, Dara, shut up. You know, yeah. that's not important. Yeah, yeah. They can be like, look, that doesn't even matter. That wasn't a big deal. That happens. Let's say you start doing something weird with your technique, and you start, like, jumping forward in your cleans. Yeah. And then you'll be like, why did that happen? And then you can start the process of overanalyzing it. You show your coach, your coach saw you them, or you send them the videos. And then you can have, if you have a good coach, they might know that you stress about these things. And you, he'll be like, look, that happens. It's not a big deal. We'll fix it slowly. There's things we can do. It's not a huge issue. Like yeah. that is a great use for having a coach. Yeah, yeah. It's just having a, like a, a sponge for your emotions. Yeah. Basically. It's like our Facebook chat between the two of us. <laughs> look what I did. But you know, like most yeah. of the time that you ask, are you put something into that chat about training or mm. I put something into the chat most of the time you're like yeah uh, I had a PB yesterday and I trained for four hours um, do you think it's bad if I take the day off yeah, and yeah. I'm like shut the fuck yeah. up like, I won't reply for an hour yeah, on yeah. purpose because I'm like he knows the I've already taken answer. the day off yeah like, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah so it is very important just to be able to like put that feeling or that thought somewhere yeah understand that it's being heard or it's being documented or not by you that's fine <laughs> I always hear you. No, but Joe, it's, yeah. it's like, it's the ability to put that thought somewhere yeah. 
Um, and like a journal will offer that, a coach will offer that, or a training partner will offer that. Um, and it would kind of help to level out those peaks and troughs mm-hmm. of the self-reflection. The emotional process of... because <laughs> I'm girth sitting in a shit. <laughs> love and life. Because like when you are a full-time athlete, you know, you have you have that kind of so instead of when you finish the session and you send all your videos to your coach you have that benefit of he's so instead of one big clump of like emotion self-reflection a full session of lifts while you're being coached by someone in person you drip drab that little bit back and forth you know and the coach is taking a little bit and giving you back a little bit and like he's kind of massaging your just Ego. feeding the pony. Yes, feeding the pony. Like <laughs> they're like settling you out, and so you're losing. So you never have a build up of this, uh, let's say, negative emotion if it's if it's a bad session. So they're like slowly taking that away from you, and they can like facilitate and preempt the bad stuff. You know. Yeah, that's like coaching is like we offer online programs, or we have for the last two years. You know, and never do we call that online coaching. No, no, no. So no. like we we offer programs with feedback. Yeah. Because coaching is so much more involved. Yep. And like the one-to-one athletes we'll have now or the, the one-to-ones we've had for the last six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that is an incredibly involved process that the program is just a tiny little... We are taking more one-to-one athletes if you're listening, by the way, for weightlifting, powerlifting, Darrison's super total training. Yeah, and real athletes. And real athletes, Darrison, and real athletes as well. Uh, okay, so that's the like the short term, right? Yep. Discrete events that you're just looking at i think the next one then is a competition season yeah uh so like for weightlifters there i i love when i see weightlifters be like it's competition season yeah, you're yeah. like buddy there's weightlifting competitions all the time but anyway competition season uh depending on the sport that might be four months that might be six months that might be eight months uh some sports they go year round but basically reflecting on a period of like whether that's the year or whether that's september to march uh, and then reflecting on that I think all like all too often we see the reflection of a year just being totaled up by silverware at the end of the year uh, records it at the end of the year personal kind of personal not even personal best because people don't look at that yeah like they just look at results driven data whereas like we don't look like that at any other aspect of of our sports career right you don't just say like Gareth, you're not going to say like, oh, um, I held a, a national record there for a few years and that's the only thing you say about weightlifting. <laughs> like, Joe, it's the sport and training for a sport is, is so much more than that. So when we're reflecting back on a year and like we're in a summer now, which is off season for a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the gym. Like when you're reflecting back on last season, you have to start looking at more kind of more sensitive markers than just, oh, we won the league. Yeah, and it was a great year because we won the league. Or yeah, else, yeah. like you could be in the shape of your life, playing the best, whatever beach volleyball of your life, uh, doing really, really good with training, being a really good athlete in general. Uh, but whatever, the Brazilians show up on the third day of the competition, and you don't get to the final. You know, the Russians show up. Yeah, so that's what I'd say is like when you're in those kind of longer term periods of reflection you need to be a lot more intelligent with the things you're looking at and the things you're reflecting on. Uh, because like we're humans and the longer we get from a, an event, all we tend to remember is just like, that was a great night because like, whatever, like, yeah, you know, yeah, or like, yeah. geez, that was a great year because we won the county. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
start reflecting on that and be like, yeah, look, we won this. Yeah. I won whatever weightlifting competition, but I didn't do great. I just ate too much food. I didn't make my weight class. And then the 105s weren't that competitive and I won that weight class. I was the only one there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for our gym-based athletes, it's very easy. You have very clear metrics. You have um, number of reps done. You have total tonnage if you want. You have... Um, how big your arms look. How big your arms look. Yeah, like if you're a bodybuilder, you can like body fat percentage, lean mass, you know. You have number of lifts done above 90% for weightlifters. Yeah. You have uh, number of sessions done. Like you have all these metrics. And then you have your objective benefit or your objective gains. You know, like did my total go up and by how much? And I did this many lifts. And the next time I know I need to do some more lifts or I need to do the same again, but I need to gain a little bit of body weight. So you have... That's the beauty of like... this is recording everything you've done so when you look back like because if you don't record things you'll never be able to know really yeah. like you won't be able to auto-regulate internally in sessions like it's it's very clear like the the Russians didn't spend the R.A. Ro- Roman and fucking Medieval and all them didn't spend months or sorry literal decades researching something recording thousands of athletes um, number of lifts you know in certain bands like down to their warm-up lifts below 70 percent like they didn't spend years doing that just for the fuck of it like you know yeah yeah because they knew that that had benefits so like recording everything you've done or you're if you're lucky enough to have a coach your coach recording everything you've done and then knowing when to push you know so that's so self-reflection for some athletes so that is one aspect of the self-reflection that's very important it's just objective total work done you know yeah and then knowing the like quantitative yeah easy numbers this is what everything was I think the other thing then of like of that kind of self-reflection is um, like ideally you'd have your goals structured and written out from the yeah. year before and like you know everything but like understanding what you wanted to do that year you know like or what you wanted to do with those mm-hmm. four competitions so yep. if you're a CrossFit athlete now and you haven't you're just getting back into your gym and you're kind of looking to start a training program or you're getting back to heavier weights or you're looking to get stronger whatever that is uh, I think looking back now on like I think most CrossFit competitions run September through to February. Yeah. Most like, of yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh but definitely around here they do. So like I think being able to look back and say, uh, okay, I did four competitions. I was very unhappy with one of them. I was alright with one of them and then two of them went well. But more importantly, being able to look back and say, like, okay, my goal going to the one I was unhappy with was just to show up or just to get through all three days of the competition. You know, like there's the objective numbers on the outside don't really give you the full idea of like if you went to a competition as a crossfitter and you came second last but you hit a snatch pb in one of the workouts that could have been a great competition for you that isn't really picked up in your like in your goal set or your um self-reflection if you're just looking at like quantitative stuff yeah so that i really like like qualitative kind of like quality of movement is so important in weightlifting. Yeah. Like that is, that is actually one of the things they talk about in like some of the Russian texts is did the lifter's technique improve? And then you adjust to the technique is the training, you know, you adjust those quantitative factors to improve your qualitative movement, you know, because it's so yeah. important. And so that's, that's pretty, so not easy for weightlifters, but it's, it's very possible to see. But if you're like a field athlete or a real athlete, you know, it's, it's too hard to see, you know, like how, yeah. How do you improve? Like you learn to kick a ball and probably get better after like two years by the time you're 10. So what are you doing for the next 20 years, you know? Yeah. Like what, what, 
what is your qualitative feedback you know and you need to figure out that and like what is your quantitative feedback um for some people it might be i didn't get injured you know stuff like that yeah. and it might be and that is a very re- like that is probably the biggest thing for a lot of real athletes is not getting injured yeah being able to play your sport for the full year is so much more difficult at a high level than a lot of people would give credit for <laughs> and so it's too often like there is so many athletes who spend their whole career going from one injury to the next injury to rehabbing yeah. to barely rehabbing not even rehabbing that's not even yeah. fair they don't fix it they patch it patch up the injury don't figure don't think why did that happen uh am i able to stop that from happening can was it my fault was it something out of my control everything's in your control at the end of the day yeah. I suppose. so you you like that is kind of that's got a qualitative feedback yeah. in terms of the real athlete like, you've got to figure out like did i tore my hamstring twice in two seasons I definitely can facilitate this not happening again, you know. Don't be that athlete eight years down the line being like, yeah, I could have made um, county, but yeah, uh, my ACL, like the amount of people who have torn an ACL, <laughs> it's actually frightening. It is. Yeah. It's insane, people. Like, we talk about that as being like the be a better athlete goal, you know, like look after yourself better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think almost nobody, when they're reflecting on it, looks at that. Yeah. Like, fuck it's not that hard to be like i didn't get injured for yeah. six months yeah, yeah and like i when you're saying there that like everything is within your control everybody always blames the manager mm-hmm. the people in the club yeah people who are running the team the physios pre or rehab given. physios yeah oh my physio was horrendous last time i did this now yeah like you are 100 percent in control of everything that happens to your body if you're doing a running session and they they make you overtrain, then it's very, very easy for you to have the conversation. It might mean that you're not picked the next week. Mm-hmm. It might mean that you get scolded by a manager and you're not picked for three months after that. Mm-hmm. But if you if your goal is to be a better athlete, then your goal should be to be a better athlete, not just to be like, fuck it. If your goal is just to play for this team. Mm-hmm then just go like yeah. you can drive that car into the ground and it will happily crash itself into the ground in front of you but if your goal is to be a better athlete you are in control as like geez if, if you're an adult and somebody is telling you to do something granted if you have no knowledge and they can give you good sound rationale but if it's a clear area of overtraining or a clear area whereby they're pushing something in a way it shouldn't be pushed then you just need to step back. Uh, I think that's like a big point of maturing as an athlete as well as not not using the accelerator pedal and understanding that you have a brake pedal as well. Yeah. Like I think from from being a child all the way up to being a senior player on a team, you're always pushing. And like that pushing will be the thing that makes you like the thing that makes you better than me will be you pushed harder, you were more aggressive, you went harder in training you went harder in a game mm-hmm. uh, and you were willing to whatever put your body on the line in yep. inverted commas i think then the ability to be a great so that'll bring you from a, a player to an adult player the ability to go from an adult player to being a great adult player is knowing when to put the brakes on and say this isn't right uh i need more time i need less time whatever it is uh, and being able to kind of hold yourself back a small bit that actually kind of brings into a, a 
kind of a, a great point that is one that, that can definitely be felt by all of the athletes lifting so not just our gym based athletes but our real athletes and that is not being you know being a martyr for your training <clears throat> isn't like not resting enough when you know you should be resting enough and that is one that one is super hard to be self-reflective on and i know fitz was joking about should i rest today when i text him that but i genuinely do like everybody struggles with that so it's easy yeah. to acknowledge because no one wants to not my my mentality when i'm training at the moment is i'd rather get hurt than not train enough than not progress and yeah. I, that that's not something i'm telling you to do right but I have goals in mind that I want to do and I would genuinely prefer to get hurt than not progress. Yeah. Now I've made that conscious decision and I coach myself and if I get hurt, I am, I will blame nobody but myself. But also not getting hurt is also not one of the reasons not, is also not just the only reason you shouldn't, you should rest. You also need to rest to get better. That yeah. is, and I know you've heard that cliche so often and it's actually, it, it, it's been said too much, so much to the point where people are just, I've completely ignored it. It's in the background. You have to rest to get better. Like you have to rest to facilitate certain psych- physiological changes in your body that you can over adapt. And in the next session, you can do better. So if you don't rest enough, you won't be able to um, adapt to the new, like the, the damage done to your system. You won't be able to overcompensate yeah. to that. And then you won't be able to perform better next session. Like you physically won't be able to do it. It's not a mentality thing. It's not an area of thought where you say if i push harder i can do that you physically won't have have the capability of being better yeah. like it just won't have happened yet so reflecting on again this is a great place for a coach and if you're lucky enough to have a coach or good training partners where you can go um am i training too much like do yeah. i now obviously you know yourself more often than not you will know yourself like mo- <laughs> more often than not your coach is going to be like what are you talking about <laughs> like 99 percent of the time you'll know you need to take a rest day but you need to be able to reflect honestly because there is a fine line between am I being a bitch and am I just demotivated and would I be fine if I go train and then I am training too much and I'm not allowing enough adaption to occur and I'm not recovering enough, you know? What what I would nearly always say and like we always talk about like 99% of the time what I always, this any time you do with an athlete Mm -hmm. bar one incidence ever is that an athlete will always reflect so if they're reflecting that discrete kind of they look at last night's session or looking at the last season, they always reflect and say, how could I have trained more? Mm-hmm. They never say, how could I have trained less and gotten the same effect? Yeah, efficiency. They, like Efficiency, like we take the piss, right? With Sika stuff. And we that like we were talking about efficiency before the podcast started because mm-hmm. we were like, oh, we have to be efficient today because we have to get this done in this amount of time. But athletes, like very few people are professional, right? Some people are in positions where they can train more than others if they're in college or if they have a job that allows them to train more or if they work a certain way or if they don't have kids. Mm -hmm. But one of the keys to being a really good athlete is being able to train enough. And one of the keys to being able to train enough is being really efficient with your time. So people think that like, oh, he owns a gym. He can train as much as he wants. He's going to be a great athlete. Most of the time, that's not true at all because somebody who's there for the whole day can just kind of meander from thing to thing. They don't bring an intensity to anything. They don't bring a level of concentration to anything. Uh, They've probably been on their feet for five hours and kind of feck arsing around without actually doing anything. So I think like looking back and saying, not how could I fit an extra session in every week or how can I squat every day? 
you should be looking in and saying, what's the optimal amount of time for me to train every week? And how many times do I need to squat every week to get better at squatting? And the answer should always be the least amount you can possibly get away with. Yeah. Because the important, the problem is, and I, we've kind of, this is, this is playing with self-reflection, I suppose, but we've kind of gone into a bit more programming, but if you do more and you progress, you will always have to do that minimum amount to progress. Yeah. Like you can never do less than, unfortunately. Like if you, there is a reason, you know, if you've ever seen athlete schedules. So uh, weightlifters are actually a very good example of this because other sports are a little bit different. Like you can only do so many pitch sessions. But if you look at like uh, Rebecca Cole's teammate, like Ritvar Suarez or whatever, Suarez or however you say his name, he, yeah. he's mentioned, he mentioned in an interview somewhere about kind of, they squat like 14 times a week. And, you know, we've heard Gabriel talk, you know, he trains, they used to train like nine to 10 or whatever. Yeah. Or we've heard the Bulgarians talking about, it was like 10 to half, 10, then it was like rest, 12 to half, 12. Like you, they are at a strict schedule, you know, they're not morning to the gym. Well, Miso is a terrible example. Actually, no, they were pretty strict at time no, as they well. They were strict. Yeah. yeah, they were like five p.m. and then there was a morning session at like ten yeah. to half ten. And they, even though it was a relaxed environment, they were still leaving promptly on time. Yeah, they like five o'clock. They st- it was ready to like sort of first half an hour before that might have been very relaxed because they weren't. It wasn't five o'clock yet. Yeah, but when you're finished, you're finished. And when you're starting, you're starting. Like so, yeah. they were kind of like messing around, chilling out. But then when it got to five o'clock, it was time to train. It was time to go. You know, like there is. There is a job to be done, so professional athletes may seem like they have more time to train, but they're on their, a very strict schedule yeah. almost all the time across all bands of sports. You know, they're, if they have a good coach, I suppose, again. Yeah, and I think the thing of having loads of tra- time to train, like, this is our third time saying it now, but, like, <coughs> it's not a good thing. When you see, like, professional uh, NFL players or rugby players and they're playing PlayStation in their hotel room, mm-hmm. it's not like... Oh, sure look at the lads there they've yeah, nothing yeah. to do it's like no the lads have been told they're not to leave their bed yeah because they have to stay stationary so they'll recover yeah yeah it's like they're not lying at like obviously lying at the pool is great like right yeah, yeah. or playing playstation with your buddies is great but it's it's like they are doing that because that's mandated mm-hmm they must be physically inactive yep. for these four hours because they must be incredibly physically active later on. Uh, did you see the um, documentary about Michael Jordan? Yeah. So there was that one when we went to Vegas the, the night before dance. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, and, and like everyone intuitively knew like that was ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah. How have you done that? Did they win that game after? Yeah. So like the, everybody knew. Everyone was like, "How? what the hell are you doing? You know, like that yeah. is... That is um, outrageous that you did that did you went to vegas to play and he said it was to relax his mind and look i suppose he who knows if it, what if he's right or not obviously it turned out <laughs> fine because if they won the game you know but there is a reason that they were told he was he should have been in his hotel room like that yeah. was the given thing because that's what people know work you know yeah i think the like the kind of and i'm using the words theoretical in inverted commas here right because it's not it's not deeply drenched in theory and scientific backing, but like you'll hear bodybuilders talking about maximum recoverable volume mm-hmm. versus maximal or minimum effective volume. So on your scale of volume from doing, I'm just going to use squatting as an example, right? So at the bottom of your scale, you've one by one. So one single rep of one rep and say at the top of your scale, you have five sets of 20 reps minimum effective volume and maximum recoverable volume fall within those two brackets so my minimum effective volume will be probably three sets of two reps at a given percentage that will give me a training effect so whether that's it makes me stronger or it's a hypertrophy effect or 
it's a work capacity effect. It'll have some effect, uh, but it's the minimum amount of volume to get any effect. At the top end of that scale, you might have eight sets of eight, which is my maximum recoverable volume. And that's the most amount of volume you can possibly do and be recovered for your next session, whether that next session is three or four or five days time. You don't always have to be at the top end of that scale. Your scale should be somewhere in between those two. And when you're reflecting on training, you should probably be looking and saying like, look, am I always pushing the gauntlet to be as fucked as possible after training? And sometimes you do need to do that just so Oh yeah, you. definitely. Like to, to elicit an effect. And especially if you're just driving one of your, yeah, one one of your aspects. So. Yeah, like if you're a, a, a shot thrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like whatever and and you have two months of an off season and you have to be as strong as possible coming back because you won't get to do strength work mid-season then you should be driving that to be maximum recoverable volume in that area but most of the time as an athlete you're trying to get all those boats rising at the same time um so kind of went off topic but it it is well not so much off topic but they kind of the topic is broad and self-reflection like it encounters all of the areas you're training so like you could you could could go with any example so we gave you like resting and like you know how much training you're doing and how frequently you're resting yeah but you could have gone with what's my nutrition like am i being an honest or exactly am i I eating like an asshole and then you reflect on that and you go did that affect so you you can reflect on everything you're doing and you should reflect on everything to a certain point but what we're saying is don't overanalyze your reflections um but be proactive, do something like do yeah. have um, a, a targeted kind of reflection, you know, something routine like train. Everything can be not controlled, but you can facilitate everything you do as much as possibly can. So that way, then when the ambiguous kind of shitty events happen, <laughs> you know, you are you've mitigated the disaster from those as much as possible. Yeah. So then you can progress as much as you possibly done. And also, most importantly, when you self-reflect in on your training, you can go, well, I did everything I possibly could have done. And even though this happened, there's no more I could have done. So you have a bit of peace with that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think two big takeaways are if you're somebody who struggles with kind of not doing any self-reflection and kind of just like, yeah, not dwelling on it, but it's just kind of there and you're yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. about it for ages, which is a lot of people. 100% put some structure in there whether that's a training journal where you just write in like not just your numbers but you write in some sort of like this felt good I felt tired before training uh Gurf was a cunt and I didn't enjoy being in the gym with him uh or if you're somebody who's super neurotic and you're like it's affecting your ability to recover and move on and make the next session great a journal can be good as well but a sounding board can also be very very useful there so that sounding board that we talked about earlier that might be a coach that might be a teammate or a training partner um or that might be whatever you know like finding somebody who enjoys talking to your sport to you about your sport that could be like your granddad or something uh who enjoys hearing about your training and then you can talk to them after a game or talk to them after a competition or after training and kind of just be allow yourself to release those uh thoughts and more importantly force yourself to articulate those thoughts so like it's grand for me to be stressing about something in my brain right uh for it to be like oh uh jesus those squats didn't go well and i just know the squat didn't go well 
But until I have to write that down or until I have to speak about it or until I have to explain it to someone else, I probably haven't actively gone and articulated out that point. I've got to broke it down um, and got somebody like that's what's so valuable about somebody who's not really, really actively involved in the sport to be like, oh, why are you, why, why are you doing sets of 10 in the squat? And then he'd be like, oh, I'm doing 10 to kind of build a work capacity. And then he's saying, oh, oh, but you're saying you're really fucked, are you? And like, yeah, I'm really fucked. And by the time I got to the fourth set, I was like really, really tired. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, but sure, I suppose you're trying to build work capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to build work capacity, but it should, it, that means it should feel better. And yeah, then yeah. Like, oh, that's probably why you need to feel work capacity. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, like it's it's asking the like the five-year-old, like here we call mm-hmm. them Father Dougal questions. Yeah. Because of Dougal from Father Ted, the TV show. Uh, but like asking those those questions from 10,000 feet, you know, looking down from above, you don't really know what's happening. You're just like, what's that? Why is that happening? Mm-hmm. What's this? You know, paradoxically, elite athletes are both hyperneurotic about what went wrong in training, but are also unbelievably good then at just eliminating that thought process from their brain when they go training. Yeah. So I don't know if you listen to Phil on Joe Rogan, but he was uh, some form of neuroscience fella scientist some lad with a I don't know he was wearing a blazer and a t-shirt I think oh shit yeah he was very good actually but he was dark talking blazer and light t-shirt or light blazer I think it was all t-shirt. dark oh yeah. fuck I'm pretty sure the goatee as well ninja so he was on talking about so he studies like actual you know adaptions in your brain yeah. and like creation of um, fuck I hate saying things like this you know those tropes but the creation of pathways in your brain you know yeah and he was talking about like how you force these adaptions and environments need to be stressful yeah and like obviously all sports are skills and so well, clearly except for like cycling <laughs> so um i got stuck at a cycling race yesterday on the way what on the way to clear yeah oh my god oh got stuck behind one yeah i was in the I middle of one like, i was driving why were you cycling i was driving over them uh, i was driving to the track <laughs> the drama i got from fucking people like yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. motorcycles but anyway so skills need to be learned and these are inverted commas pathways in your brain and um why did you say inverted commas i hate that word you know people are like motor patterns you know and they're like what oh, do you yeah. know about motor patterns yeah like do you know anything about them oh you squat with no shoes on yeah all oh, right yeah. new motor patterns there, there you could talk about motor patterns so yeah. um so you're talking about like creating these new like how making your brain more malleable to this new skill yeah. you know and so obviously neuroplasticity neuroplasticity called, yeah so he was talking about those and he was talking, obviously, also, you have to be in a stressful environment. So you obviously have to train hard to create these adaptions, you know, but uh, you also have to be cognizant of what's happening to learn these skills. Yeah. So obviously, elite athletes are, they, you always hear them, and you've heard it plenty where they, they can't stop obsessing about the sport. Like Michael yeah. Jordan's a great example or Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. Yeah. Going at like, how long do he spend after practice kicking? Yeah. hundred kicks in a row. And then he's... He, at one point, he was uh, fly half at the most points. He even passed out Dan Carter for a, a period of time. Like, so he's, we're talking like, like he's yeah. clearly neurotic, but he also was one of the best, you know, and like the best athletes are obsessed. But the paradoxical thing is they can then totally disregard that neuroticism, that like yeah. crazy kind of um, hyper awareness of what was happening and just can't let it go. And then I can let it go all of a sudden and then yeah. just get it on with the game. I think... And I'll finish on this, right? Yeah. And it's a bit of a dig, but it's all right. There's a lot of really bad athletes who are neurotic about things as well. That's the problem. And like, But then they can't uh, let it go. If you're showing up at the gym yeah. and you're like being super neurotic, that's like, that's my barbell. Yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't mean you're good. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think... Uh, but Clarence is very shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I would say is like, uh, 
people who get involved in sport like this sounds really bad right obviously not all people who come into sports as an adult are like this but a lot of the time people who come into sports as an adult will get super neurotic about things and think that it makes them a better athlete yeah more than likely that won't make you a better athlete obviously concentrating on things makes you good yeah uh paying attention to things makes you good but also getting super stressed about things makes you bad and being a training part like yeah. being somebody in the gym who's in the same class as you and you're like whatever you know this is my mat this is my corner mm-hmm. you know like that doesn't make you any better it probably makes you worse because people won't want to hang around with you and train with you as much like you see like me so there didn't care about waiting to outside of the sessions just care. eating ice cream yeah loves ice cream and cake cake and ice cream yeah it's a mark of a great athlete yeah man after my own heart what time were we on <laughs> we're done we're 50 minutes all right let's thanks so much for listening um so seekstrength.com for all your programming needs do you know what we're going to do actually we're going to get just for the podcast we're going to get a discount code for people just because thanks for the five people who listen no actually <laughs> thanks, the, lad. the listening ship and is, mom do you know what i <laughs> thanks mom do you know what i really want to know what's wider is we have such a high percentage of female listeners yeah compared to every other strength conditioning podcast so it's everyone else we talk to any kind like, of sports related podcast right so obviously our youtube is zero percent uh, females which is totally understandable but our our podcast probably is the least physically attractive looking men you can find on the internet 13 percent females on spotify and that's the vast majority of where our listenership comes from so i just love to know why yeah what, what is it is it our like dulcet sleepy tones that put you just relax people no i'd say it, well it can't be the subject matter because i wonder do they listen to it by accident <laughs> and it's just playing in the background yeah do you ever listen to podcasts by accident oh all the time yeah so on uh i listen to my podcast on stitcher uh the secret strand podcast isn't on stitcher though, which isn't ideal does it not come up in stitcher no no does but obviously i <laughs> Obviously, I don't listen to our podcasts because I have to listen to them anyway when I edit them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they'll they'll automatically start playing a podcast after. And if mm-hmm. you don't, if it's not one of your favorites that has like a an episode unlistened to, they'll mm-hmm. just put on a random yeah, one. Yeah. They'll just put on a random one. But, um, right. So we'll get a discount code for just for the podcast listeners. Yeah. Just, uh, just as a thank you for this, um, for your mom so she can get a discount. <laughs> Joe Fitz really wants a discount. So, uh, Actually, we, we do need to mention about the one-to-ones. Oh, yeah. Go on. Uh, so, Garf has started taking on one-to-ones for weightlifting. I know there's a bit of a waiting list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do, like, shoot us an email is probably the best, or else shoot us a message on Instagram. Just get put on the waiting list, because the onboarding just takes a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a bit of contact and a bit, like, a bit of back and forth. So, usually the one-to-ones... Um, will take a few weeks in between onboarding each person. Yeah. If you're interested in getting one-to-one weightlifting uh, coaching, then shoot us a message or contact us. Uh, and then for the real athletes or for super total programs or powerlifters, uh, you can just message to get coached by me. Mm-hmm. That's not starting until September though. And I think we have a few people lined up already. So it'll probably be third or fourth week in September. Uh, but do just message us or even if you've questions about it or you wonder what the service yeah, is yeah you, like. you don't have to email just to say you want on board be like we also had the most hilarious refund ever this week oh I know I just oh. so this hasn't happened weirdly so someone bought the program said they didn't like it and got a refund so obviously we <laughs> refunded them and uh, I, I doubt they listen to the podcast but um, yeah like when you so they got the pro- program they yeah. had the PDF for a day they also had a discount code and I don't know how they got that um 
yeah anyway so, so it's just like oh i don't want it now and they're like okay yeah we'll so, just take that pdf back off you yeah like did you save a copy <laughs> Do you know like yeah. obviously we refunded them but it's just uh a str- a str- people like 99 percent of people we deal with are amazing you know and yeah. people are, are so understanding but then you just have random people <laughs> who are just i don't think people it's even people which i suppose is a good sign is people taking us seriously as a company and not too dumbasses like yeah because you wouldn't take us seriously if, if you thought we're too dumbasses but or if you, you knew us which people think we're like a, a limited corporation or something which would be very strange you know they would oh, treat what? us they're just going to abuse us uh please don't abuse us lads please please, please god <laughs> i'm just trying to buy some money get some money from the seven up free All right, okay thanks, thanks for listening, for listening.